0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Woodlad Podcast. I'm James Marshall and this episode was brought to you by Straight Face Razors. If you are sick of shaving with a dull blade, then go give these guys a try and you'll get a whopping 50% off your first order by using the code LADS which will give you four sharp five blade heads and a razor for only $15. It's crazy cheap and all you have to do is go over to woodlad.com, click the Straight Face logo down the bottom and it'll take you straight there with the discount all ready to go. Also, Waterlad Coffee is now available. This is the best coffee bean in New Zealand, made by Pomeroy's, and we've partnered up with them so that every lad has the right brew to start their day. Comes in three options, whole beans, espresso, or filter, and you can order by heading over to waterlad.com and click on the Pomeroy's logo. It'll take you There. And some big prizes coming up over the next few weeks for anyone who purchases some coffee. So, watch this space. Anyway, let's get to today's episode. Intro, please. What a lad, what a lad, what a lad. What a lad, and today I'm honoured to have one of the best coaches in the game on the podcast, but before he was a great coach, he was a great player, where he played for Taranaki, Hawke's Bay, Natal Sharks, and even represented South Africa at Sevens. As for a coach, he coached Swansea, Wellington, the Sharks, Ireland, the Hurricanes, Japan, and now, of course, he is the assistant coach of the All Blacks. And on top of all that, he is one of the greatest lads in the game. It is the great John Plumtree. Welcome, Plum.
1: Oh, thank you very much, Jimmy. Very honoured to be here. Um, am I the first coach on this podcast?
0: No, we've had Andrew Goodman and um, Chrono, but you're the biggest named coach, that's for sure. What a CV you've got. No wonder you got the All Blacks job.
1: <laughs> oh, mate, yeah. You've made me feel, oh, that's a lot of jobs, eh? You know, that's a lot of places I've been exited out of as well.
0: <laughs> yeah I didn't say you were there for only six months <laughs> but how's it going? What's your job and role at the moment?
1: Uh, how's it going? Uh, it's going okay. I mean obviously tripping around a lot uh, in the country just viewing players and you know selection um, stuff with Foxy and Fozzy and sort of pour my heart and soul to the video you know watching individuals and taking notes and um, and then we've got, you know, many Zoom calls during the week, um, that time of year, really. And now I've actually just started doing a little bit of club coaching, so getting around a few of the clubs in um, Wellington. And, oh, nice. Uh, doing a little bit here and there, just getting a whistle around my neck and getting ready to go for, what, about a month's time. True.
0: So how much footage would you actually watch in a week? Must be huge numbers.
1: <laughs> I don't know how much footage, but I know a lot of hours. You yeah. Yeah. Monday, Tuesday, big days once I've downloaded the games onto my laptop and then as the seasons goes along with the players um, you know, I've got a pretty good hand on all the players, I sort of narrow it down to um, watching the individuals that I've really got um, to keep an eye on so yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, you do get sick of watching footy a bit I must say <laughs> but, um, just sort of break it up a little bit break the day up a bit, just get the balance right in your day and, and uh, come back in fresh and uh, that's what I try to do.
0: So, how close are you to picking your side? Like, is your side sort of penciled in, or is it pretty much penned in except a few positions, how does it how does it sort of work? The whole selection process.
1: Uh, now the nice thing about working with Foxy and Fozzie—they're very experienced selectors. Um, obviously, been in the All Black frame for a long period, so um, they stay very open-minded um, around selection, and we have discussions, um, you know, probably every two or three weeks. together but we have regular uh, catch-up phone calls and stuff so uh but really it's um yeah they stay pretty open-minded it's not like we've got we haven't got 35 written out at the moment or anything like that Mm. so uh we'll wait till a critical date when we have to have it nailed and then we'll, we'll do it
0: how many would you have down at the moment roughly
1: um You're trying to work out whether you've made it to (laughs) me? You promised me (laughs) you'd pick me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just trying to work out where this question is going. Sorry, Jimmy, I'll tell you right now podcast you haven't
0: made your backs <laughs> oh, oh there's our first headline any sort of bolters sort of put their hand up for you who's who's impressed you in the comp
1: who's impressed me um yeah i don't want to give too much away i mean oh. Obviously, my focus is probably more around the pack. Um,
0: and, D, isn't it? Like, you you mainly just watch players <laughs> defend. You don't really care how they attack, do you?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I actually do have to swing my attention a bit more towards the ball as well, as Jimmy. So. Um, but, yeah, I've been really impressed with the um, Chiefs pack, the way they've really stepped up yep. this competition. Yeah. Um, you know, two is having another good season, which is really good to see. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's good to see Luke Jacobson playing some good footy, consistently playing some... So if you just look about, talk about loose forwards, obviously the loose forwards that we had last year and the All Blacks, they're all there. Um, but it's good to see a couple of others coming back into the frame like like a Luke Jacobson. Yeah. Uh, and Ethan Blackadder been pretty consistent as well. Yeah, good to go. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, just... Avoiding injury, so staying um, fit and well and getting some good game time. And so, um, but in, you know, Shannon Fazel has been a really consistent performer down there. Obviously we've got the, the locks uh, um, all there, the Brody coming back from Japan, which yep. is good news.
0: So he's available straight away, him and Brody?
1: Uh Yep, I believe so. Yep. Oh, yeah, cool. he'll be available. Um, so they'll have need a good break after the Japan season, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, they. I mean, they. Yeah, and is been really impressed with some of the the forward play and a couple of props really um, growing their games as well. Um, at the at the Chiefs, the, those boys are going good. Been going good. Crusaders, mm. um, George Bower's been playing well, getting more game time since Moods' injury. Yeah. So, yeah, it's good to see.
0: Tough job, eh? So, what? What about at fullback? Obviously, it's a huge position. A lot of people talk about this one. There's so many options, so many good options. Have you? Has anyone stood out for you there, or are you thinking probably Bodie's going to keep that dual playmaker role?
1: Uh, well it's certainly an option for us. I mean, um, Bodie there with Richie at 10. Um, but, um, you know, Danny McKenzie's played the house down at 10 and 15 as well. Yeah. You know? So he's been real consistent this year in his game. And, um, you know, Geordie... Um, Obviously for the Hurricanes, hmm. um, so yeah, look, I mean that's a pretty contested, like like the back three as well. We've got some good wingers. yeah. Uh, so yeah, so the uh, it's good to have depth in those positions.
0: Sure is depth everywhere. And what what have you made of the comp, especially the Trans Tasman comp? Like, has this given you a lot of confidence watching this comp, or it doesn't really cross over to the international setup?
1: Oh no! It doesn't you know? Like internet, one thing I did learn last year that international footy is just so different to to super footy. You know, just a step up in everything around pressure and uh, particularly um, intensity. You mm-hmm. know, uh, you know, you slip a slip a jersey on, you represent your country. You you put, you, you tend to your game tends to go to another level um, at, you know, individually and collectively. You know, so. Um, Oh, it's it's just great for the players that they um, you know we've stopped playing against each other week in and week out and they've got now to play some different opposition and uh, it's great I think it's great for the spectators also. Thank, thankfully, that Trans Tasman uh, tournament started. We're not as selectors we're not to worry about results. We're just worried more about. Um, just how the boys are playing, keeping the boys, you know, hopefully the boys staying healthy and fit.
0: Mm. You're, and you're obviously a good Hurricanes man. Do you still supporting the Hurricanes more than the other sides, or has that had to go right out the window?
1: <laughs> no, I'm totally neutral now. Hey, yeah. Oh, what? I'm totally,
0: I'm totally
1: neutral now. now. I have to be. It's, uh, I still obviously wander down to uh, the ground and yes, you know, sit with uh, the boys on the camera and. The guys. Uh, and uh ch- chat away to the yeah, to the boys and just um, just try and keep my distance as much as possible but you know uh, it's great still, you know, maintaining relationships is really important to me and um, you know, Hurricanes a big big part of my life, but um, you know, as as it happens, you know, we just um, we have chapters, don't we, as players and as coaches and mm. I guess for me right now that chapter's closed and a cool. new chapter's opened.
0: And speaking of chapters, you've had so many chapters in your career. So we will try and get through as many of those chapters as we can. But I want to start at the start for your young John Plumtree down in Hawara. What was it like for you growing up?
1: Oh, pretty small town. Um, You know, everything revolved around uh, getting out of school as quickly as possible and going to the freezing works so you can make some cash and have fun with it. (laughs) I shouldn't be be saying that, but no, it was, it was pretty, pretty small town. Um, rugby cricket dominating my life. Um, yeah, from a, played club rugby really early and, and then got into the Terraniki side pretty early in my life. And, and, um, and yeah, sport pretty much dominated, but it was really a case of a pretty early age. I decided that I couldn't live in horror all my life. I had to get out. Yeah. And, um, that was my decision to go to South Africa.
0: True. So, what age did you go to South Africa? Ah, uh, twenty.
1: Just twenty-one. have just turned twenty-two. Oh,
0: really? And what was what was that decision? Just to get out of and why, why South Africa?
1: Yeah. <laughs> From Haro to South Africa. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Um, oh, look. I mean, I was I was always fascinated as a kid with the uh, um, all those earlier tests and the days where, you know, the you know, came on TV at three o'clock in the morning and the yeah. All Blacks Cavaliers and even before that when Andy Hayden was a all black captain and even showing my age now, I think might be seventy six. But I, I, I can I love watching the South Africans play on those hard grounds against the All Blacks. It was sort of like yeah. almost felt like a different world to me, you know. And um, and then I contacted uh, Okay, I contacted Colin Meads and uh, spoke, asked him about South Africa because I know he had a real affili- affiliation with South Africa. And um, actually, actually, yeah, I, was, I gave him a quick call but he didn't have to- too much time to talk to me. So we at Taraniki ended up playing King Country in and in Woody, and now I saw him in the club room. So I sort of like wandered over and <laughs> waited for about 10 minutes till I could see he wasn't talking to anyone. I just sort of mentally walked over and said, oh, hey uh, Colin, it's John Plumtree and um, I just want to ask you a question about South Africa and he goes, oh I'll go to Durban, you know, that's yeah. a good place, lots of English speaking there and blah 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 so he gave me a good heads up and um, and then I contacted a club in Durban and um, yeah no, they just, um, you know, those days it was um, yeah, a guy picked me up at the airport but you didn't get any flights paid for, there was no accommodation or anything you just pretty right. much, <laughs> I'll put you up for a week and then you're on your own buddy so it was a real, uh, it was a Real adventure, that's for sure. For a young guy from, a, brought up on a farm in who was pretty conservative and everything else. It was great.
0: So you were already playing for Taranaki at this point before you were twenty one.
1: Yeah, I was. I played about forty odd games. Wow. I started playing when I was about eighteen.
0: Yeah. You must have been a gun. What was what was the rugby like back then? Because obviously it was a completely different game to what it is now. Must have been pretty intimidating for a eighteen year old kid from Harwooda to go into that sort of <laughs> set up, pretty old school environment. I'd imagine.
1: Yeah, that it was, it was, it was. But luckily, that uh, in, in those days, the Taranaki Ford Pack was full of some pretty useful customers. Like Colin Cooper was the man, you know. Oh, yeah. He, he was a number eight. He was like, you know, a few years older than me. I respected him. He looked, he had a real thing around looking after the youngsters. And um, and uh, so, yeah, so a couple of times he had to, when I got a bit scared in the line, he had to swap positions with me, put me somewhere where he was a smaller guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. We had some really good, um, tough old Taranaki sort of forwards and, and they looked after the young fellas, so it wasn't too bad.
0: So then what was it like going over to South Africa as a 21-year-old kid? Did you feel safe over there? Because that's one thing when we travel over to South Africa, I always talk about the safety yeah. of um, life over there.
1: Yeah, I was sort of like a little bit naive really going into all of that. It was really just a case of I, I didn't, in those days we didn't have the technology around, you know, googling something quickly to yeah. find out about something and finding it was it going in really cold, you know. Yeah. And like, and um, I, you know, obviously I, I, I knew the um, the situation that South Africa was in around Part Eight and all of that. I'd done my enough homework around that, but um, there were lots of things that I didn't like over there when I when I arrived. But I saw some of the black people living and. Mm. Um, but there was nothing you could do at the time. Obviously, everything changed in 1992 when Nelson Mandela was released and I was actually living in South Africa there and it was, it was awesome. But, um, yeah, up into that time, my focus was really about footy and settling down and, and um, I played for, played for a club team there and it was only about probably five or six games of club rugby and then Ian McIntosh, who was a famous Natal coach, went on to coach the Springboks and that came to watch me play and, invited me to Natal training, and that was obviously Natal has gone to the Sharks now, the brand changed, mm. and um, yeah, so uh, I went down to training and made the, made the Shark Squad.
0: All the Waterlad listeners remember your rap video that you did for the Natal Sharks, where you, <laughs> where you spit some of the best bars any freestyle rapper would be proud of.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that video's been played a lot. <laughs> Someone that, I, with Japan, uh, they found it as well, and the, the Japanese just love. They dined out on it. I don't know, they were playing it after in the changing room afterwards, <laughs> and Brownie was like. Brownie was like, he was driving all of that. I'm sure. <laughs> he was probably worse than you. With that thing. Yeah, hopefully it's been played out now and it's gone and forgotten and never seen again. <laughs>
0: how did you get roped into that? I couldn't imagine you being that keen to be doing a rap.
1: No, nah. nah, I think they did a just a, pr- a big promotional thing with some of the Intel players and it was uh, around that Shark song. Oh, yeah. and was, Yeah, so yeah, that's how it all.
0: Did you write your own line?
1: No, no, no But I did we'll say that I, t- I had one take There you go oh, yeah.
0: A natural one
1: take. Okay, that's done, I'm out Thank God Because I knew some of those Afrikaans boys They were struggling with <laughs> They didn't really sound like uh, Really good rappers With that Af- Afrikaans accent, you know The beauties James Small was good I don't remember
0: him. Oh, that's good he stuff
1: was, He was really good mm. And then what was it
0: like on the field over there?
1: I played just four seasons of Curry Cup Rugby. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Curry Cup was the, the big competition, but it was extended. You played against heaps of other teams, uh, and they had a couple of other trophies to play for as well. Um, but Natal wasn't really a... You know, all the strength of South African rugby was really Transvaal, Northern Transvaal, uh, Western Province, um, and Natal was seen as a bit of a sort of, yeah, okay, well, they, Natal... And I think anyone who's been to Durban, uh, even the Superboys now going to Durban would say that after the games, you know, the, in the car park with the uh, yeah. you know the uh, you know, bries and drinks and everyone comes to rugby there and it's a big party afterwards. It's a great place to play, you yeah. know. And I think that's how the rest of the country saw Natal as being yeah they are not being football players, but they're really just party boys, you know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and
1: um, and uh, so that was that was a good part of it for a twenty-two-year-old to be. I have to say. Uh, making the team and and playing in uh, two or three years of cricket rugby before Superstarter. but it was really, um, yeah, it was really it was really fun. But it was at the same time, Ian mean, McIntosh was determined to change the Natal side to become a force, and so he recruited uh, really well around the country, and and because Natal, because Durban such a beautiful place to to visit, um, a lot of the boys that were living in Bloemfontein and you know, and 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 Joe Berg and that wanted to come down and live in Durban, plus mm. the sea. And by that time, we were attracting a little bit of a money around sponsorships and stuff. So we we managed to build this team up and it became um, pretty good. So in 1990, um, i have been there, obviously been there for about a year, and, and we we formulated quite a good side, and we won the Curry Cup for the first time in uh, Natal's history.
0: Jeez, you turned them around quick. Yeah.
1: I <laughs> yeah, turned them around quickly no no we did uh, no I can't, I can't say it was me no actually um, a, bit, a little bit of a story around that though for some of the South Africans listening to this podcast would love it but Ian um, McIntosh in those days I think there were six subs and I was named on the bench for the final um, against Northern Transvaal and that, and Nice Borte played um, and uh, obviously some real legends of, of the game playing in Northern Transvaal they were Clear favourites, you know the bookies that have be that'll be they'll be twenty to one. You know, oh, it's like yeah. right out there. They yeah. even had like they even had their champagne with champions written up <laughs> and, and, and party ready to go afterwards. It was it was it was just a, it's just going to happen, you know. And anyway, we had a actually another big guy played for us an Australian called Tom Lawton, a big hooker, He played for us that year, and um, and we had other we had other ideas, and we ended up winning this game, and um, yeah, and spoiling their party and creating a real massive one for us. True.
0: And, Did they give you I the champagne?
1: Off, and, yeah, but you, they uh, sent all their champagne to him. Uh, <laughs> it, it awesome. But I, I actually came off the bench that day for a, as a super sub oh. with 25 to go, and now the loose foot I replaced I had to limp off because in those days – yeah, you, you you couldn't just say, oh, get number six off, you know. Oh, it's true. And, uh, yeah, he had the limp off, and it was a sort of a start of over there. They started, oh, okay, they're clicking on to, okay, well, we can put these got fresh guys on just by <laughs> others limping off, you know.
0: So he made <laughs> so a big impact.
1: Made an impact in the last twenty years. Oh, yeah. what a game! Yeah, it's good. It's fun.
0: Wonder, and was it that impact that got you selected in the South Africa sevens side? Talk to me about that. I wouldn't <laughs> picture you as a sevens player, but you got in there.
1: Oh yeah, No, look. I mean, um, yeah. Like, like I said back in those days, there was not a like, Super Rugby, so we all we had was um, sevens tournaments at the start of the season to really get fit for the Fifteens. Yeah. So yeah, the sevens tournaments were down in Stellenbosch, and um, they were big. They were big ta- It was a big tournament for uh, South Africa. Because from there, the, the South African team obviously got selected, and um, and we were invited to Hong Kong. So. Um, I made the Natal team, went down, and we had a good tournament, won it, and then, yeah, I was just, we were just all milling around, and there were fires going, and we were having a few beers, and everyone was there, the all the teams, and the Louis Lake, a famous uh, Transvaal president, stood up to name the, well, he was a South African president at that time, he, he, he uh, stood up to name the team, and then, and I heard my name mentioned, I thought, well, it must be a mistake, yeah, and because uh, I'm, I'm I'm a New Zealander, you know. And, but in those days there was no you had to play three years, three oh, years true. Then, bang straight <laughs> in so uh, yes yeah, so, no, the, the springbok seven is funny but uh, that, it was a really good side actually We'd, and we, we got beaten in the quarter final uh, by Fiji and those were the days when um, you know, Rushie was the uh, kingpin for New Zealand and yeah. Jonah Lee and Cully was there and there was a great New Zealand side that two years I was with the South African team there um, but we had a pretty good side too. We had Josef U- 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 van uh halfback. And, yeah. And uh, Andre Jabir, a fullback. Uh, Chester Williams, a winger. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we had some pretty, pretty, pretty good players mm. too. So, yeah, it's good fun. Oh, so did you
0: finish um, your career in um, South Africa?
1: Yeah. Oh, did you? Oh, I came back to play one year because I wasn't quite sure whether I wanted to play my footy after we won the – uh, after the 1991 season, Currie Cup, I came back to New Zealand and I played in Hawks Bay because my brother was living over there. Oh, yeah. and I wanted to spend some more time with him, and and then I but yeah, I so I played, a, I, played oh, I think a dozen games for Hawks Bay, and then I then I shot back to um Durban and finished my career there. Sure. Obviously, by that time, I'd been going out with my Lara, and my girlfriend, then and now my wife, but we were pretty full on, and um. So going back to, to live in South Africa was easy, having a South African partner and yeah. Um, yeah so um, went back and finished there, then then it was on to coaching.
0: Was that always the plan to get into coaching?
1: Uh, not really. Although obviously, I in my last couple of seasons as a player, I was starting to pick up some niggles and and uh, you know what it's like. You know, it's like sort of starting to the end was. <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> yep, I know.
1: You yeah, remember that, Jimmy. And, um, yeah, so it was just a, a really – I started doing a little bit of club coaching. Oh, yeah. And um, started enjoying it. And then um, I looked after these uh, Welsh guys that came over to follow the Lions. They, they actually rented my house in Durban. And uh, and they were all from Swansea and I struck up a good relationship with them. I drove them around when they want to go to the different parties and stuff and looked after them and hosted them. But anyway, six months later, the the chairman of that club phoned me up and said, listen, would you like to start coaching over here? We're moving into professional rugby and we want someone that's young and we think might be able to do a good job. And and, uh, yes, I okay cool I'm coming so we left South Africa and went to Wales just the two of us we yeah. had two, two of our sons were born in Wales so it's pretty special for us yeah
0: and how did you find the coaching
1: oh it was obviously it was pretty tough but I was lucky that I had really good assistant coaches mm. uh, that were really helpful and um, real good club men that wanted to drive the club forward so and I had a really good team actually I had um, I had about five or six maybe even seven Welsh internationals um, you know Scott Gibbs being one of the main ones. He was a big midfielder that played for the Lions and and played for played, had a big league break, background as well. And he was he was my captain. And True. Colin Sharvis was another one, big loose forward. that played oh, for yeah. Wales. And so had some good players. And um, and then it was just a case of sorting out a system where we could enjoy um, you know changing training from the evening to the day, bringing in morning sessions, speed stuff. Welsh rugby was. It was a little bit slow, and I tried to bring in a more dynamic style of rugby. Mm. And uh, and I've got a, employed a new trainer. He was actually a nutritionist; he hadn't a training background, but he reckoned he could do a good job. <laughs> so I brought him down, and he had had a bad start. If he fear Scott Gibbs pulled his hamstring in his first session, didn't know, but anyway, he got better. And uh, he was he was really um, really into uh, you know getting the plasma more explosive. We started yeah. gym sessions hard out, and we started doing speed sessions, and, and anyway, we, yeah, we ended up winning like three championships in did yeah really short space of time. So, yeah, it was, you know, I did one or two little courses over there. Graham Henry was a Welsh coach then. Oh, true. So, yeah, I'm hooked up, I got a good relationship with Graham and, and learned a lot from him.
0: Successful start to your coaching career. Success seemed to follow you everywhere you go up until this point. But then you obviously moved to Wellington.
1: Yeah, so um, came over – and yeah, got the Wellington job. Uh, I was in, I was um, actually had a job in Waikato as a RDO, just a rugby developer. Oh, did you for, I didn't really start it? Uh, and the job, I had a John Mitchell and Robbie Dan's got the All Blacks, and they wanted me to come on board as an analyst. But, <laughs> ten, 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 ten. <laughs> you can't uh, even turn the day. computer on. <laughs> oh, I know, yeah, they didn't tell me there were computers involved. <laughs> I thought it was just watching footy. <laughs> Didn't tell me I had to plug anything in, but anyway, so um, that was that was a bit of fun for six months. I learned a lot under those guys, and, yeah. And then um, and, yeah, then the Wellington job came up, and I got that, and um, moved the family from Hamilton to Wellington, and and really that was Wellington's been a massive part of my life since you know four seasons with the NPC team, yeah. And, um, and but Coops had, I really wanted to step up in the super coaching, but Coops was, uh, Colin Coops had the, had the job sort of down pat here, it was going really well and, and so I decided to go back to coach the Sharks because uh, that job came up.
0: Did you have much success at Wellington? Because obviously you had a pretty um, strong side, always had that very dangerous back line that Wellington was very renowned for.
1: Yeah, that, uh yeah we did like but we had some a lot of youngsters it was around 2002 and I I didn't know anything about the Wellington scene so I took on Chris Boyd who was a full-on tower man and yeah. and knew the club scene and everyone in the in, ins in, in and out of Wellington club rugby so I took him on as as my assistant and that was uh, probably the best thing I could have done you know like mm. he was he was awesome with me I had a um, great knowledge of, of all the players and, and everyone here. So it helped me settle down real quickly. Um, and, the, and um, you know, Malcolm Holmes, the CEO at the time, was, was good. Uh, good man, really supportive. And the board was really good. So I was really lucky to have good people all around me. Uh, the players, like, yeah, look, look the academy, we had Mie Tia Lata, we had Purihwipu, um just name two. I mean, we still had Jason Spice at half, but David Howell at ten, yeah. and a lot, lot of really, really solid Wellington men. You know, yeah. And um, yeah, then we, and then we had lots of Flea Lomi, Fatao on the wing, and and Kali, and of course Tana would come back and forth for a little bit, and Jerry and Rodney. Um, you know, awesome when they come back as well. Um, but we really, we didn't have a, we had young Fords, but not a really big Ford pack. We never really had. Massive locks or anything like that. So we were, um, we were, we'd had, yeah, in a four year period, we made three NPC finals and lost them all. How's that? So, <laughs> <laughs> not a great start to my career in finals, but anyway, we, um, yeah, we, uh, we lost to Auckland and then we lost to Waikato in Hamilton. And that, that was, and then our last one, yeah, we lost to Canterbury as well, which was pretty much the all black side at the time with Mertz and Marshall and oh, a- yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we did well. We we had some good we were it was really good consistency and we grew we grew some good all blacks too. Conrad Smith came through. Oh
0: one of the greats.
1: Uh, it was it was I loved it eh there was I loved forming a relationship. who obviously just got better and better mm. and um like I mentioned. Um, and yeah it was a good time man. It was unreal.
0: So the move over to South Africa was just to get the next level of coaching, was it?
1: Well, it was just the opportunity to coach at super and obviously yeah. going back to, by that time, uh, my two two boys were my two boys were oh, eight and six and, and obviously my wife being South Africa, we wanted to share a life between New Zealand and South Africa for yeah. her as well, like it was important for me that it wasn't just, we're going to be sitting in New Zealand for the rest of our lives, we were always going to be going backwards and forth a bit for her and and obviously the rugby scene over there, I knew, and um, so a guy called Dick Muir got the Sharks job and wanted me to come over and look after the Fords. So I went over there, and he 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 stepped up to the coaching role with the Springboks under Peter Devilliers. Oh yeah, <laughs> and um, and and then uh, yeah, left them the, uh, the Sharks job available. So I um, yeah, I got that. So and then I think five five or six years, I did the Sharks.
0: And one game that really stands out for me at your time at the Sharks was the classic final, one of the greatest finals in all time where I think the score was 19-13 with two minutes to go and kick to come. You would pretty much oh. sealed the game. Talk to me through that one. Uh, you
1: can't bring that up. Oh, that was – yeah, that just kills me, you know. like Yeah, Albert van der Berg, a big lock, scored in a corner and then um, Butch James – for some reason gave the ball to Franz Stein to kick the conversion. Yeah. Instead of just knocking and uh and because a butcher kicked all day and yeah. um I think the boys thought they had it, you know. And uh anyway so Franz missed the conversion and so it's still game on, you know. Yeah. And we didn't kill the game. They kicked off and, and we were we were all of a sudden we were just playing poorly. We didn't we didn't close the clock down. We kicked it back and they kicked it back and then there was a couple of knock-ons that the referee missed and it was <laughs> it was just it was just chaos. And our president he, he came he was watching the game obviously up in this in the suites and he he jumps in the lift to come down to present the, the super rugby t- uh, the trophy to the sharks and he gets down the lift and we'd lost. There's <laughs> the bottom of the lift and we'd lost. <laughs> oh, can you imagine how it kind of felt? Anyway, it was just, oh, it was just, oh, it was hard to take. Yeah, Brian Abana scored a try, and the last yeah. minute next to the post. Oh man, And that was two thousand seven. So I'd just come off losing the final to um, Waikato, and yeah, that was that was a two thousand six season. So yeah, it was. 2007 super so it was like memories are pretty raw there and now I just got another <laughs> whammy so I'll, I will tell you this story like after the game I couldn't have a beer I was just too distraught and I stayed around chatting to the boys and you know obviously was and they were distraught everyone was devastated anyway I stayed for an hour or two and then I had this big black um, Chevy V8 thing that they gave me over there to drive, and it was a beautiful car. Yeah. Anyway, she got on the coast road, and I drove, and I drove, and I kept driving. I didn't go stop, and I just kept going. <laughs> I ended up in this, like, nearly in this game park, way up north. You know. and, and Lara phoned me up and said, "Where are you?" And I said, um not sure. I think I'm just driving past Shillouie." And he goes, Shishlui That's a that's up the coast." I went, "Yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't turned around yet, but I'll turn around now." I ended up getting home at, at 2.30 in the morning or something.
0: How Five far is that drive? How long is it?
1: Oh, it was a couple of hours up the and turned around. And, and a beautiful stroke, though, you know, not too many queues. Yeah. just to put your foot down and enjoy the, oh.
0: the,
1: the get some music on and find a happy place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I never forget
0: that. oh yeah. did you find your happy place?
1: Oh yeah, in that car, listening to music, <laughs> going at about one eighty. <laughs> oh, oh Anyway, so, so anyway, and next day actually it was probably the best thing I could do because next day I felt fine. You know, that's oh, all right. You'd got over got it. Right. Yeah, got over it in, the, in that moment. Yeah.
0: There's obviously some uh, world class players in the side that you're coaching back then. Anyone that really stood out?
1: Oh yeah, that, I mean many. I mean uh, Bismarck Duplessis, oh, John Smith. Um, there was Front I mentioned him before. He yeah. was outstanding, eighteen-year-old and eighteen, uh, just played. Um, you know, never intimidated by anyone. He played against real physical, mm. good a good player. Uh, JP Peterson, um, Ruan Pinar one of the best players I've probably ever coached. Wow. Um, uh, who else? Well, that team was pretty stacked. I mean, we had yeah, um, yeah, many, many, many good significant players, many springboks. It was a good side.
0: True. So what brought about the move over to Ireland? Because that was your next move, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, well I um, yeah, the, the, the Sharks thing came to a little bit of a, there was a change of CEO and, and a few board members and um, and it, uh, they actually um, chose not to re- contract me. So yeah. uh, and then, by that time it was and that was by that time it was pretty much time for me to I felt like coming back to New Zealand anyway. it was sort of but, but there was nothing too much around. Joe Smith actually phoned me up when I was in Durban and asked me if I'd like to come to, to Ireland. and um, yeah, I looked at it, so I flew across and had an interview, and yeah, I got the job and, and uh, yeah, so it was moved to everyone across. And, uh, yeah, it was it was good. I enjoyed Ireland, enjoyed Joe. I learned a lot from him. Yeah. Um, and uh, we had some success straight away. Greg Feek was coaching. Oh, yeah. A um, guy called Les Kiss was doing the defence. Oh, yeah. He's and, a London Irish, isn't he? Yeah. And um, yeah, so it was good. And we had a good side. Heaps of, uh, obviously, really good players. Paul O'Connell, captain. Yeah. Uh, the Irish side was our side was good. Brian Driscoll was still playing. He True. was he had his last year when I was there. Yeah, so it was a good side, and uh, we won the we won the um, what did it Six the Nations, tournament. was it? Yeah, we won the Six Nations. Did you? Oh, yeah. In the first season we were there. So Thank Thankfully,
0: cool. there's no final in that competition, eh? I
1: know, and it's a real quick <laughs> tournament. Yeah, well, winning, winning the Six Nations is. Um, Oh yeah, oh, sorry, that just went past me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. only oh, yeah, up a trophy, we didn't have to win a final. Yeah, so um, <laughs> it's quite a good one. So anyway, yeah, so it, it, it was good. But then, uh, yeah, Boydie got the Hurricanes, and and um, and I wanted to get back to New Zealand, mate. I've been oh, yeah. away from home for a long period of time, and and um, and look, thankfully, it was a, oh, someone must have been looking after me because um only two years later my mum died oh true and, um, yeah so it was, it was coming back to wellington with the hurricanes and then um, spending been able to spend time with her
0: yeah
1: um, um over that period I just you know if i'd stayed in ireland i just wouldn't have got that those two years so i was, so I was very fortunate
0: how long were you in ireland for a year
1: just the one year how, how were the kids
0: and family with all this moving were they did they handle it sweet
1: Oh, that's a good question. I mean, the island, um, leaving Ireland was really upset them. Settling them down in Ireland was pretty tough, yeah, because just the boys were one was in high school, one was sort of in an intermediate sort of stage, yeah. And Troy, my baby, we had in, um, uh, back in South Africa, he was he was about six, I think, yeah. So we'd settled them into school and, um, Setting the boys in, you know, they couldn't understand the teachers because the Irish accents and the dean and all of that. There were all yeah. these issues we had to get over, and and once we would settled in, and the, and the boys got quite, I only found out later, but the boys got quite popular with the, the girls.
0: Oh, no doubt.
1: Yeah, yeah particularly the, you know, one of them. And um, anyway, so when I told them we were going back to New Zealand, that was. Yeah, I was the most unpopular I've ever been in this family. Oh, really? And, and then you imagine, you know, if you've got kids, you imagine times you can be pretty unpopular. <laughs> <laughs> but that was another level. I've got so that all to happy. come.
0: I'm still the cool dad.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. all right. yeah, well, it's coming to me, trust me. So anyway, so, uh, yeah, so the, the boys um, weren't happy and we came back to New Zealand, but we all settled down and pretty quickly back here. The, my, my two oldest in particular, they they always saw themselves as Kiwi boys. Yeah. Uh, as much as they lived half their life in South Africa. Yeah. So, yeah, they were, they were fine.
0: And then what was it like going back to the Canes, <laughs> partnering up with Boydie again? Very talented squad you came in with.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's the thing, wasn't it? I mean, I can remember us going to a camp in 2015. I think we went uh, across the Gisborne, and um, we had a pretty big morning around just our standards and values and our culture, how we wanted to tweak things and it was a really good morning and I can remember just standing up in front of the team and just saying oh, I don't think I've ever been in front of a group that's so talented mm. and uh, we had some incredible players in 2015 And Guilty? You remember? <laughs>
0: yeah you I were, do You were looking at me when you said that <laughs>
1: Straight between the eyes, on the front row. and you were looking at me like you know, I didn't I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> so um yeah, and I just and, and said we just got to get it. We've just I just said we've just got to get put these things in place, and and uh I'm sure we can have a really good year. And you know, we almost had a brilliant year, didn't we? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that damn final. Why could not it be like Six <laughs> Nations? <laughs> Yeah, talk me through I that final. That, what, do you, what do you remember? Or well, even that season?
1: Oh, I just, oh, I just loved that season. Eh? It was just, it was great. We had a really good group of boys, and we, it was just a really happy group. You know, really good, happy group, and really, a good we played good footy. You know, it was mm. it was a good group of men and we, that we. Um, I mean, we. I mean, I didn't remember that game in New Plymouth that we played. We played the Chiefs and, yeah. and played against a pretty good Chiefs side that day, and, and we didn't. We had already made the final, I think, and we played and won that game. It was, which was great in front of the Taranaki fans. Um, and but the final, oh yeah, it was just one of those ones where it was just seemed to be so frantic, wasn't it? Yes. You know, it was it was end to end, and it was sideways to sideways, and the ball was in play a lot, and it was like, yeah, it was, and Highlanders were playing out their skin, and we yeah. hadn't seen them play like this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and um, yeah, and it got away from us in the end, you know, and um, it was uh, another pretty upset changer, wasn't it? Yeah.
0: Where did you drive to after that one?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't. I, uh, yeah, that was the first thing I, my wife texted me and said, "You're not driving anywhere. going right staying right, right home. <laughs> so, yeah, no, no long drives. But obviously
0: the following year you made up for it. You got the win. How was that year for you? And the difference was the defence in the 2016 year. Must have taken yeah. a lot of pride out of that because first well, team to go through the finals without conceding a try. And as the defensive coach, it obviously a lot of that comes down to you.
1: Yeah, well, I'll, I'll say some of it, but I certainly won't say all of it because um, obviously the defence group with TJ and Corey Jane and Brad, they were the, the boys I, um, the core of the boys that I had in that, in that group. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget the conversation I had with CJ. We were talking around drift defence and versus a real line speed mentality, and and we we thought about yeah why don't we why don't we come up with this plan that we our wingers come in for second to last and then we put two guys in the backfield and they look after the last and and our forwards get um, we can make good decisions around the rucks and we try to uh, bring real heat to the playmakers of the opposition you mm-hmm. know to, and. Um, that was the obviously there's a bit more to it than that, but we had to go out and I went. I can remember going to Boydie's office and say, "Look, we're going to try. Tra- I think we're two games into it in 2016. I think we actually might have lost. We lost
0: the first two, yeah.
1: Yeah, we do. We lost. It. We, yeah, we lost in um, the Brumbies, didn't we? By that Smoked, 50? yeah. Yeah, and I can remember going to Boydie's office and saying, "Listen, we're going to change our D system. So, what do you think?" He goes, "Oh, well, I'll back you to." do whatever, so again, I said, well, hang on to your hat, because it's <laughs> going to be it's we're going to have some fun with it Yeah. and so we drove it real hard and then those boys fell in love with it, didn't they? I mm. remember um, Vi Fita and Michael Fadi for being kingpins around that department for us, yeah. bringing the heat around the rucks and um, you know, we had some good athletes um, in the front row, like Reg Goods and guys that were Guys that could really get off the line and that, so it was suited out, suited the personnel that we had. Yeah, and uh, of course the boys found belief and confidence in it, and and we just we all this, the teams really that we played against hadn't faced it before, and so they didn't really know how to how to attack it. There was probably the Crusaders were one side that were probably more probably the following year they brought more of that into it, but I think a lot of teams around the world followed that that model of what we were doing because mm-hmm. we were found it out more later definitely
0: yeah it was fun yeah that I think that buy in was the key that you talk about getting the whole squad to buy into it because as soon as one person doesn't buy into that system you're stuffed eh? that's where the holes open but you managed to convince everyone in the whole squad that this is how we are going to do it and had some real good success out of it so yeah
1: and, and again I'll go back to like some key leaders who drove, drove it you know uh, and believed in it and uh, CJ being one TJ being the other So we had one guy That was organising Closer in Around the forwards Encouraging the forwards To get off the line And we had Obviously CJ Out wider Who mm. was a really good Decision maker Around when to come When to hold And Because uh, remember CJ didn't like Making tackles So if he could get up And, and shut Spoke the them out of it up, Yeah <laughs> Yeah if he could get up and get the winger, that it's his man to to or the second to last to pass the ball over here, or well, he's going <laughs> to have to make the tackle. So that was his plan. He'd leave yeah, it for me. <laughs> <laughs> but Jimmy can look after that last tackle. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and remember how many uh, intercepts CJ got? Yeah, yeah. seeing that. So. I think jill has got one last week in the stadium here. Yeah. Just from that mindset of getting up and now we're seeing now it's become pretty much a norm for for most defenses Mm.
0: but one of my favorite things at the hurricanes was the monday morning when you'd have your d presentation you you knew how to run a d presentation it was one of the best it was like a stand-up comedy slash learning review it had everything in it talk me through how much planning did you put into your defense presentations because man they were good
1: Oh, look, there's always a fair bit of planning going into any type of presentation, but I think I was with the with the boys for for you know a couple of years, and yeah. you know it was a it was the, you know when you're with a group that long, it becomes a bit of family, you know. So you feel like you're really talking to your family, so you can be yourself and and have fun with it. And um, you know, there's obviously times when, like in any family, they get they can get a bit serious too, and, mm. and, um, but. It can't be that way all the time, can it? No. It gets pretty exhausting if it's always like that. So, yeah, I think, you know, I always remember having one or two little um, conversations with you in front of the boys around your tackle technique, eh, Jimmy. And <laughs> This is how I'm up to do it. And uh, let's, let's have a look at this, Jimmy. Can you just take me through this, Jimmy? And, look, the uh, Carmichael hunt
0: oh, still hurts. <laughs> After that um, presentation, I went for a drive. <laughs>
1: No, you see, that's one thing that I, I wouldn't do. You, uh, I learnt that over my career. Yeah. You've got to pick your, you've got to pick your audience. So you would be. I knew you'd take it the right way and yeah. um, t- commentate around what, what technique does look like. And let's tackle here on Carmichael Hunt. This is not the way to do it. So yeah, this is what can happen as you stood up with your um, armless <laughs> limb. So, yeah, uh, uh, it was all learning to You oh, teaching the others. Teaching exactly.
0: I'm happy to, happy to be the example for the rest to follow or not follow. <laughs> oh,
1: no, God. But one thing I
0: used to always love getting you back with was your spelling, spelling with Plum, a big segment <laughs> in the info committee. <laughs> How is your spelling these days?
1: I double-check everything, uh, Jimmy, thanks to you. Yeah, um, very conscious of that. When I write something up, I make sure... Even a simple, simple words just don't trust myself. Instead, i to be really careful. So, um, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, you can have some fun with the old coach, can't you? It's, um, and that's a really important part of the the game, isn't it? The players should be able to have fun with the coaches, and and the coaches have fun with the players, and that what well, creates a a great environment and great culture, and creates a, I guess what you could say, a real safe place. The players can see that they yeah. can, again, smile and have a few laughs, mm. and, um, and 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 eventually, you know, it's a pretty long week if you, from Monday to Saturday, if it's all, serious stuff, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
0: sure is. And you did it well, mate. You did it very well. So talk me through the transition from going from the assistant coach to the head coach because I know it wasn't the smoothest transition. But how did it all happen? And talk me through that one.
1: Well, I think that, I mean, obviously I head coached before in in Durban, um, but I think um, from assistant coach to the head coach with, with the Hurricanes, it was really a case of um, making sure that the players were all comfortable with it. So um, the first thing I did was bring all the, what I saw as the leaders, and, not, and they weren't just the main leaders, they were a wider group as well. So there's about 10 or 12 players and said, listen, the board want me to take over, but I haven't accepted it yet until, I get you your buy-in if you want me to do it because I'm not going to do it unless you want me to do it. Yeah. And, uh, and they, all the boys said, no, no, we're behind you. So, And that was, that was the start really. And the rest was just, there was quite a few things that I wanted to change from an organisational point of view. So as we're around the coaches, I wanted to get a little bit more organised and believe it or not, use use te- technology more. So <laughs> we were um, we were having a lot of planning meetings earlier in the week and uh, of course, guys like Jason Holland love that, love being organised and love being planned. So I was putting a big, in chrono, uh, great. Waddy was, Waddy was great because Waddy, you know, Waddy loves that too. Like as much as he's a good coach, he needs that little bit of drive around being extra organised. Yeah. So he helped him. And, um, and uh, yeah, it was a really happy coaching group because we were um, we were organised and we felt, you know, more relaxed because... They felt organised, so that was probably the big thing. I was just getting the buy-in for the players and management, getting them a more, bit more, bit more, a bit more organised in that in a couple of departments. It was, it was fun.
0: Nice, and you and you did a little bit of work with Japan during this time too, did you?
1: Yeah, that's right. So I was uh, no when I well when I was assistant coach oh, with yep. uh, Woody, I was helping Jamie and Brownie and. Um, and I learned a lot from those two as well, which was which was great helping me for the, for the future around the, the Hurricanes job.
0: How did you find the Japanese? Did they get your sense of humour?
1: <laughs> you know, the they love it, eh, the Japanese. Eh? Um, I think when they can see the, the Kiwi boys um, having fun with them yeah. and, um, you know, working hard and showing them, you know, the ins and outs of the game that you're that you've learned and loved that they switch onto it real quickly and mm. um, really easy to coach so yeah straight away Jamie wanted to bring in a because uh, the problem with Japanese rugby is of course is, has is been their defence um, they love attack but not big on the tackling so yeah. so the idea of getting up and shutting space down so to the Japanese boys because mm. I said if you do that well, the tackles won't be so hard. Mm. So, oh, that really, they thought, <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> there were like nine or ten little Jimmy. Jimmy's in the backline. You know? <laughs> so, uh, anyway, so we worked real hard on uh, on that, and I showed them the system, and 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 they, they they just loved it, and they got they grew they grew and grew and grew. And we, I think the one of my last games we before the World Cup we played Georgia, and who are big and physical, and yeah, and um. We beat them twenty seven nil. We I think it's the first time Japan had conceded a point. Sure. Right. And um and a test match. So yeah, so that and and of course, you know, um I couldn't do the World Cup but then they went on to um become really good in the World Cup too, didn't they? Yeah, so why yeah. couldn't
0: why couldn't you do the World Cup?
1: Oh, the New Zealand rugby union wouldn't let me um do the World Cup um after I accepted the um head coaching role for the Hurricanes.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, true. you can so, do it as an assistant, but once you become a head, you couldn't. Is that how it works? Yeah,
1: yeah, and, that, and that's obviously changed now with Brownie. So I mean, oh, sort yeah. Of it's, um, um, yeah, so yeah, I was. It was a little bit hard to take. I'd have loved to be with Japan in the World Cup. Yeah, they were, it was a good time. You know,
0: might have been a different story. They might have won it. <laughs>
1: You uh, make me laugh.
0: Or lost the final, probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: but no, they did
0: They did have a very successful World Cup, though it must have been pretty satisfying to watch that because, I mean, they definitely punched above their weight and the rugby they were playing was just awesome and the whole country got behind that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, man, they, it, was, yeah, it must have been... Oh, I was envious. I mean, I was actually over in um, South Africa over the the finals of the world cup because i was working for Supersport. Um, super Sport, oh yeah uh, in johannesburg and um, yeah watching the japanese play and you know the south africans were generally really nervous about that game because i think they played them in the did they play them in the quarter like or oh, was it a game? i can't remember they played like, them they
0: in the week. quarter final was a
1: quarter, week, yeah because yeah. yeah, yeah. they had lost the world cup before right, yeah Jones was, yeah was, was they were generally really nervous about it yeah classic
0: but they just bullied them in the end. They eh? they were just far too big at set piece time, and just Japan couldn't quite didn't quite execute. I guess their their game yeah. plan because they couldn't.
1: And you know, obviously the the defence um, that Japan had uh, been playing against from an attack perspective was way more drift. So yeah. Scotland, Japan beat Scotland because their defensive system wasn't tough. And yeah, and when it sort of came against South Africa, all of a sudden the space was less. Mm. And, you know, the forwards were getting driven, so it's just
0: yeah. a totally different game, yeah. you know. Tough. Yeah. Anyway, let's get to your All Black selection. What was the process to become the All Black assistant coach? Obviously, your CV, oh, unbelievably good CV, but what was the actual um selection process there?
1: Uh, well, it was really a case of, because um, Steve Hansen had obviously dominated, you know, the heat coaching role for a fair, fair while, so it was, it was all go, wasn't it, for who was going to be the next one? So yeah. there were some pretty good candidates. So I was yeah, contacted, well, you know, at one stage Jamie Joseph was going to have a go and then, um, yeah, and so I thought, well, that could happen. But And then obviously Scott Robinson, good coach. There was, um, you know, Fozzie who... Um, you know, a lot of experience at that level. Mm. You know, excellent coach. Um, so there were some good candidates. One getting talked about. So yes, yeah, so, but Fozzie phoned me up and asked me if I'd be interested if he if he if he got the job and I and uh, I said yes. So yeah, he got the job. So that's easy. That's <laughs> it really. yeah.
0: Did you ever think about going for it as head coach yourself?
1: Oh, not really. Didn't really feel like with those candidates there I would have um had much of a chance so it wasn't really it was really pointless
0: how are you finding it you're loving it you're loving your new role
1: yeah like uh last year was a massive challenge for everyone um obviously covid hit we we didn't have any games when we were supposed to you know the games in june july all got cancelled um, mm. so i think scotland was supposed to come here didn't come and then when we finally got it all together we had um we had a week's camp, I think, in Australia, so yeah. it was a pretty tough start, you know. Um, you're getting to know the boys, getting to know how they worked, um, you know, and just trying to understand the um, all-black environment um, and what, what it's all about. It's a lot of learning, you know, uh, mm-hmm. for players, a lot of learning for coaches. And then, yeah, again, being straight into, uh, you know, three pretty intense bleds were, were um, yeah. it was yeah, it was pretty... pretty interesting stage and then uh, and then of course the five weeks in Australia no family visiting so we were over there and, you know a couple of ch- different challenges over there obviously losing to Argentina losing mm. to Australia and Brisbane and um, you know but yeah you know winning the Bled and winning the Tri-Nations you know so mm. um, that was the, the, obviously the, the highlight you know but no one talks about
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. Do you feel that pressure from the media in New Zealand, like the expectation is just so high for you um, that anything other than a win is pretty much yeah. unacceptable?
1: Yeah, and that's the um, legacy of the jersey, isn't it? It's been created by success. You yeah. know? So New Zealanders expect the All Blacks to win and the All Blacks expect the All Blacks to win. Mm. Um, and winning Winning is a massive thing for, for for the All Blacks and for the country, you know. So, yeah. there, and and with that crate, there is a lot of pressure, you know, because um, it's uh, you know start of the week and it's a the hair care lot goes into it, and the end of the week you're, you're looking for a result, you know, and then it starts again. So, mm. um, it's a pretty intense environment for young players and yeah. uh, and for old coaches, you know. So, <laughs> it's certainly yeah, certainly a, a big step up, that's for sure. So. Um, yeah, it gets you. It gets you thinking. All right.
0: Does it, what, what, what's it like watching the game? Is the heart pumping pretty much the whole game, or are you a pretty relaxed customer watching it?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's way different watching a game from a the coach's box when you've got a job to do, and then yeah, um, then obviously a the spectator with a cold beer. You know, it's just mm. a, it's a different uh, different altogether. But um, you know, it's just. I think you. I think uh, whenever you go into any coaching box, you know whether it's whatever level, you there's there's a heap of pressure, and uh, but you know for the All Blacks, it definitely amps up a little bit. Yeah, mm. and it's the, fun. It's sort of like that bungee jump thing, you know, like you yeah. know, you're sitting on that edge, and you know you're, you're going to get pushed, and uh, you just hope the rope holds you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a good experience. You like love
0: it. You love it. Yeah,
1: like having a hundred bucks on a horse coming around the corner. Oh. Being, you know, he's just sitting cool. on it.
0: <laughs> he hasn't moved on it yet. <laughs> just wins. <laughs> <Hit that thing. laughs> but what about yeah. the um, what about the media side of things? Do you, do you enjoy that side of things? Because you're under the spotlight all the time now.
1: Yeah, it doesn't really worry me. It's all just part of the job. You know, I think there is, um, you know, as part of the job, you 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 want to be. You don't want too many surprises in the media. You want to sort of want to know what's coming mm-hmm. generally. So our media people are really important, and um, there are one or two um, different outlets that throw curly questions at you, ones that you um, don't expect, and yeah. some that aren't really relevant. You know, so you've got the. It depends how you handle it. You are know, you've got the you've got the choice whether you want to answer it or not. Yeah. Uh, so it's just. Getting getting more experience in that department as the years go by it doesn't really worry me too mm, much. It's
0: good stuff. And your plans? What are your plans going forward? Obviously, this year is a big one for you guys. But um, looking looking ahead, is is a dream ever for you to be the head coach of the All Blacks?
1: Oh, Jimmy, I'm just yeah. I've never put a lot of plans in place to around being. I don't want to be that. I want to be that. I want to be that. So yeah. It's just been Falls years roll mm. by, and you just go with the flow, you know. Like I'm right now. I'm doing this, and I'm happy, well, and, and it's challenging, and it tests me in every department. Um, and I'm trying to work harder and understand more as as each day go by, and mm. and just yeah, look forward to this year. It's great. We've got 14 test matches at this stage. And Huge all, number, right? Eh? Yeah. This time, well, yeah. Next time, next month, we'll be. Name the All Blacks, and we'll be in camp, and we'll be getting ready for um, a Tonga and Fiji, and I look forward to reuniting with the boys. And yeah, doing again.
0: Oh, how good, man! What a career! What a journey that the big John Plumtree's had. What a lad! Anyway, we've gone to our Instagram for some questions, John. So many questions have come in for you. Obviously, a lot were about players. I'll I'll just pick and choose a few of them. First question: Would you have a beer with Chris Boyd? This is from one of your ex colleagues as well. That's what's from boydie
1: well, that's from Boydee. <laughs> oh, I'd have a beer with any anyway. Yeah. But it probably wouldn't be a beer. He'd probably have a, he'd have a bourbon and coke. And I'd with
0: So are you guys, you guys, there's no bad blood between you two, eh?
1: No, oh, I hope not, no. no. I mean, we, you we wouldn't do it like we could really keep in touch, but Boydie's not a big, big, uh, big communicator. And, uh,
0: <laughs> you both struggle with technology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. no. No, um, no, no, no. The relationships are strong, mate. Like yeah, one thing I do value is our relationships between, like the I you mean, know, the people I've coached with, because you work hard together and you, yeah, you basically, you know, you live in hotels together for a long period, and so you know, I enjoy that. That, that he's got a beautiful family as well.
0: Mm. Good stuff. Okay, this one. This is a good one. Favorite player to coach.
1: Oh, favorite player? No, nah, too many, mate. Jimmy Marshall,
0: <laughs> I can't be your answer because I'm probably the answer for your next one. Best defender you've seen?
1: <laughs> Best defender, Jimmy Marshall. <laughs> oh no, right up there. Um, you know, it's not. It depends what you call a defender: a good decision maker in defence, or a good reader of defence, or a good tackler, or yeah. like biggest hitter. So yeah, it's be a little bit more descriptive. What
0: up. do you look for? Uh, let's go biggest hitter, hardest hitter, because I know you oh, love the collision.
1: Uh, <laughs> the hardest hitter would have definitely been Jerry Collins. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there'd be no one that would match his tackles, some of his tackles. Jeez, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what
0: it's about in, what about in the game currently? Who who would you say? Um, a
1: yeah, good question. Some pretty good big hitters um, in New Zealand. <sighs> uh, oh, Don Popoliti. Yeah. Pretty tough boy. Is he? Yeah. He yeah. loves a loves a big Shannon Frizzell can 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 hurt people too when he when he lines them up. But yeah, yeah I think they all have their moments, eh? Yeah. The boys. Yeah, they all have them. they all want to be more dominant, don't they? You know, it's the first thing you ask a, a player, isn't it? You know, um, what what would you like to do more in the game? You know, what are your couple of your work on Oh, I just want to be a more dominant defender. <laughs>
0: They know. They know what to say to you. <laughs> Someone's cute them. <laughs> They've worked you out already.
1: Well, that's what every year. Yeah, I
0: that's never what said that. <laughs>
1: I never said that once. <laughs> uh, okay. Brad Shields.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, he was good. Okay. A lot of questions came for this man. What's Bowsher, Lachlan Bowsher, need to do? Oh uh,
1: yes, yeah. lucky Bowshears. Really good footballer. Really good anticipation um, around his game and attack and defence. He reads the game really well. Um, but yeah, I've had a couple. I don't really want to get into uh, fair enough what, what what individuals have to do more. But um, Lockie's got a pretty good idea what he needs to do.
0: Yeah, he's got a he's got a massive following. A eh? lots of lot of the public want him in there. Do you ever yeah. do you ever feel pressure with selections around what the public are saying or not really?
1: I don't really, um, I don't. I feel I'll be, and this is the absolute truth. I don't really um, read a lot about the footy, and mm. that. I read uh, who's playing in the weekends. If, yeah, and then I, I read a bit, and then I read the stats and how he played and stuff. That's yeah. I don't really read about. Thanks. I don't get too much respect for um, what a lot of the media say in this country. Yeah, I've got a couple of people I respect. But yeah, that's
0: about it. And what about even when you go out to, like, a pub or something or you're at the game, you must get bombarded with people coming up to you, giving you their opinion on who should be in, who shouldn't be in?
1: Oh, yeah, and and, and that's what, and that, yeah, I mean, every coach gets it and um, certainly Ben all back selected, you get it as well, but in, in tenfold, I guess. Yeah. But, and, and that's the beautiful thing about it, isn't it? And that's what Foxy and Foz have told me and said, Plum, you're going to get a lot of people come up to you yep. and talk to you about who's in and who should be in and who should be out and the stuff. And, and, that, and that's the beautiful thing about this country, isn't mm. it? Everywhere, it's, the, it's New Zealand's team, so they want to pick it.
0: Yeah, so passionate about it, aren't they? Yeah. Okay, next question. What's the best win you've ever had?
1: Oh, any final. So, One? You know, a couple <laughs> of finals. <laughs> One, yeah. Um... Oh, with us uh, in Sydney. Um, we were we were outstanding in Sydney. We play in, put on a real clinic of rugby in the first half, particularly blew the Australians away. That was probably one of my favourite favourite wins. Yeah, that uh, was a good one. Yeah.
0: Three more questions. This one came from Wayne Taylor. Tails, he's asked you to explain oh, yeah. the trophy with John Mitchell that you've got currently going.
1: <laughs> the hard Yeah, that's a good one from Tails. Uh, yeah, so, um, with John Mitchell, um, we sort of Waikato versus the, it was sort of a a lot of rivalry Waikato, Wellington, um, and then Hurricanes, Force, he was coaching the Force, and then Sharks, Lions, um, I think that was the last one. There was, yeah, there was a, we were, we were at each other a fair bit, yeah, um, so we decided to bring in a trophy called the Hara Cup. Oh, true. And it's a, a beer mug yeah. with uh, John Mitchell, John Poultry, and yeah. they're all um, sort of highlighted on there. You know, the, the, our wives do that. They get it engraved and stuff, <laughs> the scores. And um, and yeah, so we, and, it's, and the winner gets presented to get the trophy, and then you can have a few beers out of it. Oh, uh, nice. When we play each other, you know.
0: Who's got it at the moment? Yeah.
1: Uh, he's actually got it. He's oh, actually yeah. got it, yeah. So uh, right now, looking forward to the New Zealand playing the, uh, the England.
0: Oh, true. Yeah, when's that scheduled? Yeah. So that's the end of the year, is it? Oh, not year. oh next not year. year.
1: No, not. it'll have to be next year. Oh, next so, time yeah, the trophy getting, goes getting on the line. Yeah, that's right. Jeez, yeah. That'll be a game. Yeah. Mm.
0: <laughs> okay, next question. Keys to being a great coach. This one came in from me.
1: From you, <laughs> did it? You're already a good coach. Yeah. Oh no! Look, I think it's really just going on a learning experience as a young coach, and uh, in every department of the game, you know, like um, just picking up knowledge from from everyone you have a bit of uh, an experience with. Mm. I think that's really important. Obviously. You know, if you're coaching, you love the game. You want to be a student of the game, but it's really, um, you know, picking up stuff from others. Having your own style as well is important, and, and that, I understand that's okay. But I think it's really important that you can, um, as we, you know, the, the older coaches now that we we um, you know develop good relationships with the with the boys and and um, get on with it and love it. Mm. I think it. I think uh, I think you've got to be a, I think right now, as a as a young coach like you are, you've got to definitely be a student of the game and and want to really learn and yep. And the rest will just come naturally, you know. It takes time, you know. And you learn, and you have a lot of experiences that you learn from, you know. So good. Yeah, it's a bit all over the show, but yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, last question. This is another piece of advice one piece of advice for someone who wants to be an all black what do they need to do
1: oh again um, I would say you've got to you've got to develop really good habits that um, can mould you into a player that, um, that 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 everyone wants to see so if, if so it's not just about talent. It's about a lot of stuff off the field that you've got to be really good at as well. Just around, you know, how you look after yourself as a as a pro. You know, so you, you know, obviously your diet and your sleep patterns and you know your training ethic and you know how how much you you love to to work, um, you know, away from structured sessions and mm. you know, gym settings All that looks like is to go into the gym and do recovery and those types of things. So. I think if you want to become the best in the game, you've got to develop a heap of habits um, that will, will will help you become the best in the game, and um, and that's certainly what professional professional rugby is all about. So it can't be that you're just a great winger. You can you can step, you can run, you can catch, you can kick. You, that's just 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 part of it. So um, yeah, because you know there's just so much competition, isn't there? You yeah. know, and the best in the Best in the business, uh,
0: great professionals on and off the field generally, you know. And, Very uh, true. Yeah. Such good advice. What a way to finish the podcast, <laughs> Plum. You, you're giving yeah. off some of the best advice we've had on yet. But really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Obviously, I loved being coached by you. You're an absolute champion bloke. I've always found your hard case around the team environment, and you created a good culture within the Hurricanes, especially while I was there. Um, loving seeing you on the biggest stage at the moment being an all black coach wishing you all the best for this season I'm sure you're going to put your imprint onto this side and we'll see some donuts for opposition over the next few years with your D systems in place but really appreciate you coming on the podcast and giving up your time
1: Jimmy thank you very much for having me for Honor, honour lad. What a lad, what a lad, what a lad